0: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, uh, a podcast where we talk about a pilot and, and then we have watched it. Um, <laughs> Eloquent. This week, we watched the pilot for Red Dwarf, which originally aired in 1988. But most, in, most importantly, my name's David and I am not the lowest ranked podcaster on this podcast. What about the podcast mice? I tell those mice to do something, they've got to jump to it.
1: My name's Sam Smeg. Uh,
2: my name's Joe. They're all dead, save <laughs> <laughs> What accent was that? Whatever Holly has. Right, I have no idea. All
0: <laughs> oh, right, Joe, you could have just used your pan-generic northern accent, but whatever. Um, so, Maybe, but
2: Holly doesn't have a pan-northern accent.
0: Um, this is kind of a, a, fun, a fun series. Red Dwarf uh, aired in 88, and it's... Um, in that rich tradition of incredibly cheaply made and produced um, British sci-fi shows. Boy, Uh, is it British. It was made in 88, but it looks like 50s Doctor Who. Yeah,
2: boy, is it British.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's 1988, everyone's swilling lager, eating curries, and you could cut the
1: cigarette smoke with a knife. (laughs) It's one of those shows that has almost every single accent um in 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 the british isles all crammed into it you know there is just other than i didn't hear like northern irish that's the only one i couldn't hear other than that there's just everything it's everything you need weird accents well, it's, cheap sets
2: it, they somehow manage it with despite only having like five actors as well it's great um it's pretty impressive
0: well this pilot episode's got quite a, quite a few sort of like you know one episode actors hasn't it and mm-hmm. um but on, on the accents thing, I think that's an interesting note, Sam, because in 88, you didn't hear these accents on, you know, especially American TV, like, <laughs> they wouldn't understand what they're saying. No. America, who doesn't understand what Cheryl Cole is saying, you know, <laughs> who has quite a light Geordie accent. In, in fairness, um, I don't think I understand what she's saying, so... I I think that's unfair, Joe. I think as
1: Geordie's go, she's pretty comprehensible. Um, why I, man? Why I, man? There, but, why, uh, it, it's, it Well, just say there's 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 accents, and it's like... How many how many scousers do you hear on TV ever, just ever like there's a there were quite a few on Biker Grove. Biker Grove, yeah, which is you know, God. Conversely,
0: show. because that was set in Newcastle. Uh, um,
1: yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, isn't that Newcastle? I think you're confusing yeah, your west. It.
0: It's just like you you can only have you can only have these like niche northern accents if one of your cast main cast members has one of these niche northern accents. Mm-hmm. Um, so by having uh, the guy who plays Lister, whose name will come to me, um, by having him, he's a scouser, genuinely in real life. It's so Craig
2: Charles, Craig
0: Charles, who is great. Um, by having him as your starring actor, you can get away with having all these daft accents because if you can, if you can understand
1: a scouser speaking, you can understand anyone. Yeah, or yeah. except maybe a Glaswegian, but that's. Slightly separate. <laughs> so, in in Red Dwarf, we um we kind of follow the adventures of the last human alive and his friends who are stranded three million years on a on a ship called Red Dwarf, and it's a comedy because I think it's I think we should maybe <laughs> that's a good good deep pull. It's there, important,
2: so. yes. Before we get into well, well, it, yes. But I
1: I think because if anyone's listening to this who hasn't seen the show, um, you'd be conf- <laughs> you'd maybe be confused, and we've you know we've got a relatively international audience and i think this isn't a show that you would necessarily have seen if you didn't live in the uk and you didn't (laughs) grow up in the 90s when this was on bbc or whatever um like it it, bbc 2 yeah it's this is this is a very very show it's a very distinct show and it's a show of its time and i think um you kind of have to it had to be there maybe and and i kind of wasn't i didn't really watch this um when it came out i was not even born when it came out in fact but it's not a show that i kind of grew up with it which i think is maybe different to certainly you dave in terms of having that like nostalgia factor and that is so much of this show is like going back to how it was in, in the old days when ah oh, well, we didn't have pandemics and we just had we still had tories i guess in the 90s but still that's well, fine
0: yeah but it is what it is i mean like like you said sam um i'm you know uh We'll get to you in a minute, Joe, because I, I do want to ask you a couple of questions about your history with this. But, um, you know, some teenagers go out drinking and having lots of adventures, and, and I sat in my friend's attic bedroom watching Red Dwarf and building computers. Um, and I feel like there's one of those is better, you know, I'll leave that up to the audience to judge. Uh, but I absolutely loved the original run of this TV show. Um, it was all over TV when we were teenagers. I mean, it's finished, so it was just syndicated everywhere. Um, and to the extent that I've read, Two of the four novelizations of this uh, when I was a teenager. They had Um, they had
1: novels, Red Dwarf novels. I mean, that to me is just like (laughs) there was a magazine. There was a magazine called something like Smeg. It was something Smeg. I mean, I feel like it was a smaller world television wise in the
0: nineties. Like I don't think we watched as much American TV as we do now, and I think so. Exactly. So something like this, which is like you know would be a really hard sell this is like a this is a this is a sitcom with like a hard sci-fi background you know it takes place in the 22 um the 23rd century initially and then three million years after that um we're on a spaceship you know there are robots and aliens and mutants and you know time travel and all these sci-fi things but ultimately this is a show about you know This is a show about two people who do not get along. It's the odd couple. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there's a massive clash of personality. Like, you know, you couldn't have two more different people. Also, uh, props
1: for a TV show with a main character called Dave. I'm I'm on board with that. So So in this episode, we kind of like set up um, the characters that we know we've got. Um, Lister and Rimmer are the kind of main two at the start. Then, uh, and they're, they're a bit of an odd couple, aren't they? They're kind of played off against each other. Lister's very uptight and he's trying to pass the officer exam. Uh, Rimmer, audience. Sorry, Rimmer, Rimmer. is very uh, uptight. Uh, um, Lister is more laid, laid back. He's a scouser. And so um, he's just kind of looking after... He's a slob. Yeah. This is
0: like, in the same vein as I think Men Be Having Badly, which we talked about before, this is a show about a slob, about a disgusting human being who... Bites his own toenails and, um, you know, smokes cigarettes and leaves them in his ear so that he's got both hands free. And he's just that. foul. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, and, then, and then they put R- lister into some kind of status thing, which they actually explain relatively, like, cogently in terms of, you know, you go in here and time stops and it's basically an isolation chamber of time um, because he's... You know, being his subordinate or whatever. No, it's because he's got a cat, he, isn't it? That's why. Yeah,
2: he brought a cat on board, um, and it hadn't been like checked for um, kind of infections or any impurities yeah. and things. So, like, um... he brought
0: the cat on board at Titan Station, by the way. Yes, where they Ooh, stopped on yeah, the way out nice. of the galaxy. Nice. Like, there's Which... there's there is a hardcore sci-fi show going on in the mm.
1: background of this comedy. Yeah, because Titan's um... one of the one of the one of the um, moons that would would actually be. Like a pretty reasonable bet for us to go to at some point, and you know, it's it's one of the nearer nearer Earth-like, not not Earth-like, but nearer Earth-like um,
2: uh, bodies out there.
1: He then so it's
2: an um, important distinction to make that the cat is pregnant as well, because uh, that kind of comes back yes, later.
1: Yes, the cat, um, the cat's pregnant. He goes in the in the thing. It's supposed to be for 18 months, ends up being three million years. And and we wake up to the entire crew dead, um, except for the hologram of um, of, of, of Which river. is also set up river. in, our, in yes. our
0: opening, by the way, that holograms exist. We're told the ship can only support one hologram. Yep. Um, and we get like a little fun sort of a funeral scene that's immediately followed by a this guy being reawakened as a hologram scene. Where he does like a, you know, he makes loads of jokes about the fact he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favourite lines is, um, "We're just going to do quotes from here on in." Imaginary audience. Oh, um, He says, "He says, you know, uh, you know, well, as you know, Holly can only support one hologram. So if if any of you, if any of you who are more vital to the mission than me, die, I'll kill you." and it gets a big laugh it's a very fun moment and and these are all just throwaway characters as well who are just not in the rest of the season but like it's a, a really tight telling us what the rules are
2: I like, um, I like the fact that the holograms, basically the way of telling them the hologram is just to have a big H stuck to the head. <laughs> it's written um, 1998. Hologram. Yeah. <laughs> how can we make this a hologram? Make it obvious. Let's pick a big H on his forehead. Well, missing an important, a hologram. an
0: important thing there, Joe, and how can we make it cost us exactly four pence?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's one of those...
2: This is, this is what Star Trek would have been if it was British and <laughs> they had a really small budget. It's Star Trek, that, yeah. That's
1: one of those things that I never really understood watching this, and I think only until... I'd actually watched it now. I was like, "Oh, that's why that the, that character has a H on he said, I never knew why that was the
0: case. Well, they, because i never really they watched changed this changed It's one of these things, Sam, where they change the rules quite quickly. I don't know how much of this you've seen, Joe. Um, um
2: probably all of it up to the more recent stuff. It's oh, a cool. while back. Um,
0: so like it's similar to um, you know, the Doctor in <clears throat> Star Trek Voyager. Um, similar to him, like they establish these hologram rules where he can be on the ship but he can't touch anything. Um, and then in about season four or five, they have an episode where somebody gives him—they call it a hard light emitter, similar to the Doctor's portable emitter—because basically the writers want him to be able to interact with the environment because it makes writing the series easier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's always been one so of the things. So
1: basically, yeah, we, 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 with Star Trek, it's like so basically the heat, like we're we're bending photons or whatever to try and you know that's what holograms are or remodel photons. It's the physical properties of them that I've always. I've always been like, how does that even work? Because obviously you could create a hologram easy enough, but then it's like giving hologram texture and the ability to pick things up and all this stuff, it doesn't make any sense. So it's a good example of where this show, this stupid, stupid show, is, <laughs> is actually like thinking about the science fiction... Um, Implications of what they're suggesting, and I think well, you mentioned about the stasis chamber, Sam.
0: I think that took about 12 takes, by the way, because the guy could, just could not get it right. It's quite a complicated, quick fire sentence, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. The quantum singularity and all this type of uh, techno speak, but but so so then he wakes up, and uh, Lister's uh, uh Lister is is in the future, three minutes ahead, Rimmer's there with him, but as a hologram. And then we get one of the
0: weirder. Well, you should moments. mention, by the way, just briefly.
1: Um, he's woken up by Holly. He's the kind of like the voice
2: the, of the computer. The
0: computer, yeah. Who's like the, the fourth character in this first season,
2: which which I did a fantastic impression of. Um, yeah, don't kind of don't style. listen to Joe's impression. It's, Norman it's Norman
1: Lovett is the person who plays Holly in. Um...
2: Although, it, yeah, it, it changes because he like leaves after is it the third season or something. Actually, so the he, actor who plays Holly he does leaves season and begins...
0: one and season two. Joe, and then they without discussing it or mentioning it. He's just replaced by a woman.
2: Well, he, well, the, the way that they explain it in the show is he gets like a female update or something. It basically becomes a woman, um, and then like he comes back later on. Um, it, it's it's kind weirdly of really strange. Um, yeah,
1: and then and then we see one of the weirder turns I think in this, which is um, the cat has evolved into a human um, <laughs> over three million three three million years. Somehow there's there's been I mean, just like any evolution, lots of incest involved. Um, And we get to see uh, Danny John Jules play this... Who is wonderful. This weird pink So good. Ow! I'm looking
0: good! Yeah, yeah.
1: It's just, it's a very, very... um, It's very strange, but it's very endearing. It's very fun, I think. And that, that to me, I I guess it's just like... Not really having this background, in the show. I went in thinking, "Oh Christ, this is going to be a red, a proper, you know, drudging through the the, the the treacle to get to the jokes." But actually, it is really light. It's really fun. It's really not taking itself too seriously. And and I think I, I imagine as it progresses and it gets a bit more into the sci-fi, you get a lot. It's, it becomes a bit more satisfying, you know, a bit more kind of meaty, um, while keeping that lightness, which I think is a really fun. Um,
0: it doesn't it doesn't um the later episodes like they tend to like you said they lean more into the sci-fi aspect but it always remains like the core of this show from you know we're talking about the eight season original run don't don't tweet at me because i don't have a twitter um it throughout its eight season original run it it remains this like you're in and you're out there are very few episodes that rely on you having seen a previous episode at all and it's much more about the interactions between the characters which is a real strength you know that's a real strength in my opinion of your mm-hmm. twenty-five minute TV show, like if you get bogged down in themes and plot and you know, like stuffs going on, it's very hard to continue to be funny.
2: Yeah, yeah especially for a pilot as well. You like you need to keep it kind of entertaining, short, sweet. You're almost just looking to kind of introduce into like what what the show is going to become. So, yeah.
1: anyway, Sam, continue with the plot, and we'll. Um, well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? They, they kind of, they, they, yeah, that's 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 about it.
2: It's pretty much it, yeah. Is oh, yeah, of course, two?
0: yeah. So they meet the cat. Um, it's established that he's done that, and Holly informs them that, um, if they want to go back to Earth, it's you know, they're, they're, they're what well, they've spent three million years accelerating in one direction,
1: yeah. So it's going to be a you know, three million back. That's how relative. interesting, that's... yeah. That's interesting, bit somewhere.
0: of um, interesting bit of uh, tidbit here. Uh, they talk quite a lot about the speed of light, um, in this season. Because essentially, like towards the end of the first season, Holly reveals that the ship that they never explain how it works or anything, but the ship has been building speed for three million years, and it's approaching the speed of light. Mm -hmm. So that in order to turn around, they have to stop, but they're going so fast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to turn around. So Uh, basically, but again, like it's all all these really hard sci-fi stuff. Yeah, but like. It never makes it like ner- do you know what I mean? Nerdy yeah. in that way. Well, for every for every action, there's an opposite, you know, reaction. So basically, to, if they've been accelerating for three million years, they're going at a velocity, whatever. They would need to slow down for three million years um, to counteract. So they need engines on the other side to slow down and let you know at the same force. So you're looking at like six million year round trip, basically to to <laughs> get back to where they. are because they'd have to re- accelerate again, and then next, you know, decelerate. So the whole thing, space travel, is confusing. Um But I, yeah, so I, I do. I like, I like stuff like that. I think it's nice. And again, it's nice in a show, which is. I don't know when this came out. I, I couldn't really see like the, the the kind of release. I think American TVs are always much more. This came out on the seventh of October, but this is this is. um not clear the kind of time slot that it came in, but I think it would have been fairly mainstream. Again, there's not that many channels, so, you know, unless it's on really, really late at night, it's on BBC Two, enough people are going to watch it. And it's um, quite... As far as I'm aware, Sam, it, it aired on the 15th of February. Yeah, um, but no time slot, we know. But I can see. You know, it'll
0: probably, it's probably, you know, given its content, and
1: it's probably eight o'clock. Yeah, maybe, maybe post-Watershed at nine. But, even still whatever the the time slot is it's trying to it like it's bringing a lot together in a, in a way that maybe science fiction hadn't um, had the same airing on mainstream TV especially in that kind of comedy situation. I was looking on IMDB as well about the other shows that kind of are around this. Um, you've got things like obviously Blackadder. Uh, bottom slightly later. Um, Only Fools and Horses, you know, Faulty Towers is 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 maybe um, a few years a few years gone. Young ones like there's there's a real kind of feel of shows I think are coming out around this time. Um, that late eighties decade is quite a quite an interesting time for British TV. I think it's quite.
2: So some of the some of the later episodes, it looks like they aired about nine o'clock. On BBC Two, mm-hmm. so probably about nine o'clock. Yeah,
1: so post-Watershed, because there is some, you know, it is relatively. Um, some... some One interesting thing um, was the there's a few actors in this that are extras or have maybe got one or two lines. The guy that they put a coin on his head and tell mm-hmm. him to s- smack the back of his head... Um, until it comes off, and obviously they remove the coin, so he's just hit himself in the head. Mark Williams, who probably most famously played Mister um, Weasley in the Harry Potter movies, a very very yeah. young yes. Mark Williams. A
0: very, a very. He's had a very good career of like small roles and mm. things. Yeah, one of those guys. Um, but I suppose that's the same event, like this era of um, British TV, like these these actors who are appearing in these incredibly low budget like TV shows, where they probably didn't make a lot of money they keep popping up in the last 20, 30 years because, you know, they're just the pool of actors that Britain has, <laughs> you know?
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So there's a lot of recognisable faces in this, um, for sure. Um, I mean, I like the main... So let's talk about the cast a little bit here. So, uh, obviously, Craig Charles is our sort of, you know, titular... Not titular, but protagonist sort of character. Um, he's a lot more sympathetic, mostly, Um and he plays off. He's played by Craig, Craig, Craig Charles, um, who is an actor I really like. And apparently, not that I know anything about this, so I'll, this is all I'll say about it. Um, he's a DJ with a some sort, somewhat successful career.
2: Probably more famous in kind of um, the UK for doing Robot Wars. Yeah,
1: fucking hell, Dave, bury the lead there. Robot Wars, man. He was he was the host of Robot Wars. I just want to get a good cross section.
0: of This guy's <laughs> career. Uh, he also yeah. appeared on Coronation Street for several years might even still be on Coronation Street Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah well that's less Um, interesting you've got Chris Barry um, who plays Rimmer who's kind of like the you know the uh, uptight and and, um, you know very difficult to live with character Um, and Chris Barry has also been in and out of like presenting various things he did a he presented a show about like massive diggers you know the kind that sort of like several stories high that excavate things in the Urals and Alaska he did a TV show where he basically went around looking at these things and he's done loads of other stuff as well that you recognize um, Danny John jules uh, which is absolutely not the pronunciation I'm sure um, he's again been in and around most prominent in my mind is he appears as a main cast member of death in paradise yeah, mm. um, which is airing at the minute. Um, he's really good in that, playing a much more, a much more down to earth role. But again, like with some of that sort of like weird energy that he's got in this, um, and we don't see him in this. And I can't fucking pronounce his name because it's got seventeen L's in it. Um, but introducing season two is uh, Crichton, He's played by Robert
1: um, Llewellyn. Llewellyn, no, Aaron, Joe. That's how no, 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 no. Make him do it. Do it, Dave. Say. Robert
0: Leowin. Honestly, I'm what? looking at it and I, I cannot understand how the word and I'll spell it L L E W E L L Y N is pronounced what, sorry, Joe?
2: Llewellyn. Llewellyn. It's yeah, exactly, really not difficult.
1: well, no. Low Well. This is a Welsh I'm name just... and I think, you know, Dave obviously has never been to Wales. So
0: <laughs> Obviously I've never been to Wales. <laughs> obviously... I've been to
2: Cardiff on two day trips, so that means I can pronounce it
0: absolutely well that's the rule um anyway so uh, he plays Crichton on this and uh he presented Scrap Heap Challenge
1: Scrap Heap Challenge
0: which is another show up there with this and Robot Wars I spent hours watching as a kid and now it's
1: my life you know what I'm gonna have to go guys (laughs) because I am just gonna go on YouTube and watch Scrap Heap Challenge forever (laughs) like that was that was a great show so again this is who gives a fuck but this is a for, for, for anyone who, who hasn't watched scrappy challenge, which is almost everyone um this, this show was like a bunch of people would go into a, a scrapyard and then there they'd be tasked with making something um but from what only was in the in, in the in the scrapyard except for when the cheeky basses put like tinfoil or something in like here, here's a really specific part that you're not gonna find um which they'd manage magically find. Like well a, it was all sorts of stuff like
0: they give like I said they give him a challenge and the, the one I remember really distinctly is make a trebuchet.
1: Trebuchet absolutely. Do you know how many seasons have, are of this? 11. 11 156 oh episodes.
0: God, I I'm due a rewatch of. Let's just do the
1: podcast on that on Scrapy challenge. Let's just take over um, the entire podcast on Scrappy challenge. Scrappy challenge weekly, four episodes a week. I'm up for it. <laughs> Done. Um, so, like we we're
0: saying, uh, you know, these these are, these are people who like whose faces you'll you'll be familiar with, and this is kind of maybe the the first thing they did. Chris Barry was 26, and Craig Charles was 22 when they said
2: extremely young,
0: significantly younger than we are now. Again, we're very old. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I guess, what don't we like about this
1: pilot? I'll, I'll come in um like i think almost um all of the sets the sets are <laughs> absolutely atrocious <laughs> like you can just see like painted tires and yeah you know just like it's just so it just looks so so shitty it looks like one of those 70s alo low style sit- sitcoms where you know when they close a door and you can see the entire set shaking, just the entire <laughs> thing, because the, the, you know it's all just wood and, and a couple of a couple of things to keep it up. Um, and so there's uh, just the whole thing looks it looks like shit. The other thing um, is the sound. I think it just it's like it's really difficult to hear what they're saying compared, you know, to the yeah. music and stuff. But I think that's maybe just the nature of. Cheap-ass it's TV.
2: P- pretty, yeah, pretty clear they had a very low budget. Um... I know,
0: just a little tidbit here. Um, we all watched the remastered versions. Um, yes. <laughs> because of the popularity of this show... Um, the first couple of seasons were really cheap and shot really poorly, It's so they were all remastered for Net- for the Netflix version mm-hmm. or for a DVD release. Sorry, in about the mid two thousands. Well, the the, um, the song that
2: they play when the, they have the guy's funeral yeah. um, on board on Netflix, it's changed because they sing it's Here We Go, the, the song that plays in the background. Yeah. And originally, yeah, it was, it's um, like it is. What, is see you, see chant your later, alligator. Yeah, Here We Go is like a football chant. Um, right. So, oh, right, old one. I noticed but they, uh, originally it was um, See You Later, Alligator um see on netflix changed it we had
1: we have the subtitles on generally when watching stuff Mm -hmm. and the subtitles said see you later alligator and then it went you know um, here we go here we go here we go (laughs) and i was like that's weird and then now i just realized why so obviously this has changed and the subtitles haven't been updated since whenever Mm. that was um i think it's one of these rights things
0: that we maybe don't pick up on a lot but you know, <laughs> when it aired, they had permission to use that song. And then when it came to streaming yeah. rights, they did not have permission. Um, it is interesting, though. Uh, and and I, honestly, you know, for that specific example, I, I
2: think whatever. They're both equally funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it it, it kind of works both ways. just like a yeah. stupid song. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the budget of this uh, was apparently £250,000 per episode. Now, I'm not sure if that figure is, doesn't apply to
0: maybe
2: the second season. I know,
1: then that and that and that's what I'm mm-hmm. confused by. So when was this? This was 1988, was it? So yeah,
2: 1988. Yeah.
1: So they had production
0: budget that's, that's, for that's, seven that's... episodes. Seven episodes in the first season. Mm-hmm. They only made six, and there's some trivia we'll get back to, but but they had production money for seven. Yeah. So that was that. They six... only had enough money that they had to use that seventh. Episode production money to do reshoots for this episode, right? Which le which makes me think they didn't have a quarter of a million pounds an episode in this first season. Yeah, and that
1: and that is um, that's six hundred and seventy thousand pounds. So you know more than half a million per episode. And now, so I think you're right. That must be like a, a, a an average, you know, um, blend as opposed to being what what this series cost because. What yeah. on earth were they spending two hundred fifty thousand? I mean, I guess staff. There, there are quite a lot of um cast in this, and you know, crew yeah. and stuff. But Jesus, I think maybe maybe this
0: season might have cost about you know around that figure. You know, picking it out, mm-hmm. yeah. But like, it feels much more like really after this one episode. Um, I think you've got like one guest star. You know, you've got one additional actor in in, in addition to these, um, these four. That's all you've got extra wise mm-hmm. I can, uh, th- uh, that I can recall. So, you know, you've not got a lot of money to pay actors. They obviously didn't spend a lot of money on the set. Um, you know, there's a very fixed cost to filming with the BBC. You know, yeah. it's not like production, but um, space is is at a premium because the BBC's got it. You're not you're not necessarily paying for that. It's all
1: yeah. the <clears throat> accoutrements like cameras. Joe, what did you not like about this?
2: um probably pretty much the same things you kind of said like other than kind of the cast and obviously the the cheapness of it um i don't think they like really you can kind of argue too much that they do too much wrong really um it's fun it's light they kind of obviously introduce the characters again it doesn't take itself too seriously um and you know you, you know you find yourself laughing and smiling right the way through so given the kind of TV show that it is, I don't think other than kind of the cheapness of it, um, they could really have done too much more. And just looking at it, it looks as though like the first episode when it did, and it was nine o'clock on the 15th of Feb in 1988, it had 5.1 million viewers. So, which sounds quite a lot, to be honest. TV
0: dreams of those numbers.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um... So, you know, it must have been very popular and I assume they must have pushed it at least to some extent to get that I kind of... I think it's
0: probably more accurate to say it must have been very 5 channel
2: Yes, yeah. And <laughs> kind of not much else on.
1: 56 million people living in, in the UK in 1988. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that is, that is a fair amount of people. Yeah. It would
0: be nice to know, and obviously maybe we'll keep start doing this in the future, it would be nice to find out what these things aired against, because I think that would be really important, especially in the 80s when you only had five channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it would be out of the round's possibility to find out what this aired against. And then, do you know what I mean? That would give us a better idea of who's watching this. Because, um, yeah. um, I mean, I'm gonna just going to all you, Sam. I, there's not a lot in this I don't like. Um, I do think uh, that the Lister character is, is quite offensively stupid in this first pilot. Um and maybe that's like a, a pilot thing where maybe they're quite quite found their feet. In later series, he's he's a bit more. He's a bit more like Joey from Friends, and a bit less like this character where you know he can barely string two words together. Mm-hmm. Um, if you follow, so so I guess I don't like that from a, from a sort of theme point of view. But I guess it it does resolve itself as we go along. Um, like you said, it looks incredibly cheap. Um, I will say on a plus note, while the sets look like dog shit. I don't think the wardrobe for this episode is bad. I think that whoever had, you know, was in charge of dressing these people has done quite a reasonable job. You know, um,
1: yeah, yeah. I, think I don't have anything wrong with that.
0: Yeah,
2: I think they've done very good for kind of
0: like you don't you don't struggle to believe that these people are like in this. You know, it's a mining corporation. It's the Jupiter Mining Corporation that, that runs this vessel. It's a mining ship. We're never told what they mine, but it's it immaterial. Um, and you kind of like you get that quasi-military feel to it, where it's and it's very British and relaxed. And you know what I mean, like a, mm-hmm. you know, Lister only gets put in stasis because the captain's like, right, you either give me the cat or you go into stasis and you forfeit eighteen months' pay. You know, if this was um, if this was maybe newer, if this was Star Trek Discovery, there'd be airlocking him for that. Um, <laughs> do you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, there's like this this brevity to it. Um, one of, on. one of one of the things I think that's you know, not not a big discussion, but just worth noting. I think is this show has you know fifty percent of its cast of its main cast are black, and I think that's for nineteen eighty eight. It's maybe not something that was necessarily that um, common, you know, to to have to have that. And I think it's a I think that's just worth.
0: Well, there was definitely some um, sensitivity around that. Um, from what I was reading, there were initially they were worried about so there's a reason that that Craig Charles got cast as Lister um, is because they cast Danny John Jules as the cat, but from the script, they were afraid that casting a black actor in that role might come off a bit racist, mm-hmm. which I think is startlingly forward thinking for 1988. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they were afraid essentially that not maybe even not racist, but they thought that, you know, uh, cause the cat's character is very sort of larger than life and, and, you know, what's, what's the word I'm grasping for it's here? Stereotypical
1: they, cat, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to put your finger on, but they were afraid that it would be insensitive to the to the black community in the country, which I think is like, you know, really dead on from two white dudes to be like, you know, aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the people who'd auditioned, because uh, John Barry auditioned for the Lister role as well as, and then they ended up getting cast as Rimmer. Um, but they cast Craig Charles because, you know, they thought, well, you know that'll kind of offset it a little bit, um, and I guess it's also just a reflection of like who you've got looking, you know, applying for these, you know, auditioning for these roles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Barry is someone they'd worked with before, which is largely why he's in it. And I think um, Charles and, and Jean Jules are, you know, they're both people that they just really, really liked in the audition, and they were like, "Well, these are the two best people for the job."
2: Mm-hmm. You've got to say the, you know, casting they probably got it spot on. They are very good in the roles.
0: They really own it. They really own yeah. it. Um uh, and, and what I kind of love about this show as well is these are like slobs. They're all stupid. They're all slobby. They're all cowards. And it's kinda of wonderful. Like there's no heroes on this show. <laughs> it's great.
2: <laughs> I think that's Yeah, they all kind they all kind of have positive and negative kind of character traits. So Except Rimmer. Um well, not to be fair, even Rimmer, you kind of do feel sorry for at points because, you, you know, like he has this kind of outward kind of thing of com of being c- composed and confident and know what he's doing and and achieving, and then in reality, you kind of realise that he, he basically is kind of pretty much promoted beyond his level. um going kind of to the much.
0: second lowest. <laughs> ranked yes, employee um, exactly. officer on the ship. Um, yeah, um, I, I kind of guess what you mean, Joe. But like, I think the Arnold Rimmer character, and you kind of get it in this pilot, is like the arch loser of all TV shows. Um, yeah, he's he's not very clever. Um, he's a bit of a megalomaniac. Uh, he's jealous. He's greedy. Um, he's a coward. He's a, sm- he's a smeghead. He's a smeghead. He's spineless. He's a hologram in this. He can't be hurt. And he spends the entire see- like series run cowering and running away, and it's like I think that's a wonderful piece of writing. Is like, and it just underlines that character trait, doesn't it? That this 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 guy literally is dead. He cannot be hurt, and he is afraid of things. And he's running away, and he's you know not helpful. And he's and it's amazing. It's really really good. I guess uh, the thing we
2: didn't point out in the plot was that like the, the actual accident that killed all of the crew was. Um... Rimmer's fault as well. <laughs> um, he badly, he badly repaired. What, what was the drive, it? it was some, the drive plate. The um, drive plate. Um, and it basically like leaked radiation and killed the entire crew. <laughs> um, That's one
0: thing that I, I kind of, I think is funny, but I think that like from a continuity point of view is, and again, like this is quite a silly show that knows it's silly, but like from a continuity point of view, um. It's established earlier on that Lister and Rimmer itchy are so played, inept.
1: Itchy played, uh, Scratchy's ribbed, uh, 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 two different notes were occurred. Please explain yourself. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> but Lister and Rimmer are the two,
0: they're, they're so useless and so in, inept and incompetent that their job is to clean out the nozzles of the soup dispensers. That's all <laughs> they do. So why is Rimmer being asked to repair the drive plate? Yeah, I like that. I like <laughs> he
2: then he then bl- he blames Lister for getting himself stuck into um, stasis for it because if he'd been there, he'd have fixed it properly. Um. <laughs>
1: um, one thing that I think is interesting, just reading, reading up, is is the US version of this show, uh, which which was a, a a failed attempt to bring <laughs> one of the quirkiest, weird British shows. You know, Did
0: somebody oh, say Life on Mars.
1: Yes, yeah, well, exactly, and <laughs> try and try and transport it to the United States, um, and they had some, they had a bunch of actors. They had Jane Leaves um, as uh, Holly, who obviously played Holly, yeah, um, uh, Daphne, Daphne in Fraser, Daphne, yeah, and but other than that, it's not you know it didn't really t- translate. I think, and I think they 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 even went. I think Llewellyn and Naylor, the writer, went over to try and kind of. Kind of lift his show off the ground but never went there but just just to go back to the, the thing about the the kind of diversity of the show this uh, it basically ended up being all the actors were white i think craig charles referred to it as white dwarf <laughs> 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 which is excellent it's very good and i think and i think uh, you know you can go on wikipedia and read about it but i think the point is is that like trying to bottle this and turn it into something that would fit in America is just like the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah, yeah, I do.
2: mean just just watching it now it's like there's no way Americans are going to like find that how, funny. That, that how would it translate?
1: How would it translate? You know I it, you
0: know, it just It's like kind of like a quirkiness where like you said it's just hard to understand a lot of the humor is the kind of humor that I think Americans struggle to understand it's very sarcastic. It is. It's very dry. It's very like the juxt it's like black it's the juxtaposition of this this incredibly like complex situation going on behind somebody who is, you know, essentially trying to hide the fact they've wet themselves. That is yeah. what every joke is, and it's kind of like a. It's 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 that's science, where the, from where the humor is derived. It's science
1: fiction um, with a bunch of wanks. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it really is trying to.
2: And I must say, like I was much later to Red Dwarf, but I'd still kind of enjoyed it. I probably watched it like five or six years ago. Haven't seen any of the newer stuff, but um, it's kind of it's one of those shows where like this episode and kind of the entire first season doesn't really ever get going. It almost needs the first season to kind of find itself. Um, and then there's another um, cast member kind of joins them um, in the second season and from then it kind of picks up a bit mm-hmm. um, and kind of really finds its feet from like season three onwards really. Almost like Blackadder actually. The first season yeah. of Blackadder is pretty... Well, it
0: becomes, um, it's basically, this, this show becomes really great when, in my opinion anyway, um, when it becomes Monster of the Week. Yeah. Like there's a season where they, they lose the big ship and they're flying around this shuttle um, and essentially they're just going from one like set of hijinks to another. And it's like Scooby Doo, <laughs> and and it's kind of wonderful because it's just funny, and they just like somebody's come up with an idea. Right, um, there's a planet where Hitler and Churchill and Mussolini and Gandhi and you know Mother Teresa are all at war with each other. You know the good characters versus the evil characters, and they're like, right, great, how can we make that work? And so they do. It's a wax planet. They're wax robots, and the, the gang yeah. arrive, and <laughs> you know, um, I think Rimmer. Forms the Third Reich, I think, is the, the upshot of that.
2: <laughs> what will we do tomorrow night, Brain? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> Travel to another planet.
0: Absolutely. Um, there's some fun stuff in there, and like it's a good exploration of sci-fi themes, and within this quite light premise, like it's it's got that Star Trekky feel sometimes in a much mm-hmm. more um, light way. And there's uh, some episodes that explore like the psyche and the id, and and Rim is a good character for that. And um, there's a great episode with Crichton who's a robot um, where when he's introduced it's basically robots are all programmed with a basically early robots all went mad and started killing everyone because they didn't have religion essentially is what the, the, the upshot is so all robots are programmed with the belief that um, <laughs> that like um, synthetic heaven is a thing uh, so <laughs> they don't believe in god or human heaven they think that's laughable, but they're all programmed to believe in synthetic heaven because it essentially makes them follow their other programming and obey humans. Just
1: just like real religion. That's what it's there to do. Control people, keep them nice and compliant.
0: Exactly. But there's some really great, like, really dead on the money sort of jokes about that yeah. where um, you know, Alyssa's got a talking toaster and and him and him and the robot have quite a lot of arguments about mm. <laughs> synthetic heaven. And I just think even just saying that sentence, like, that shouldn't work. That shouldn't be funny. <laughs> that's fun.
1: Uh, let's let's wrap let's wrap up and just give our final kind of thoughts on this. Um Dave, I'm gonna let you go first.
0: Wonderful. Uh this is a You're welcome. Oh, by the way, we haven't mentioned, sorry, just briefly, this is still on the air. Yeah, still Gosh. going. <laughs> um The original eight season run ended in nineteen ninety nine. Uh it was off the air for ten years, and then the channel Dave uh brought it back for a two or three part special called Back to Earth.
2: And it really shouldn't.
0: Which I've seen and was shite. Um, and then after that, they've gone back to the... Starring the original cast, we should add. Um, they've gone back to uh, the four main characters getting up to stuff. Uh, there's been another four or five seasons, I think. I've not mm. seen any of it, but I don't hear massively negative things. No. Um, anyway, that's just interesting. And I think a sign kind of the times we live in. that Like this wacky... Uh, small British comedy from the 80s and 90s that's been renewed and it still exists. Nostalgia, baby. Um, but my final thoughts are this is a silly, silly, silly show um, that's loads of fun. There's sci-fi stuff in there for if you want sci-fi stuff. However, you really need to get past the fact that it's 1998. Um, I think you possibly need to be British to really appreciate how 80s this is um, and mm-hmm. how like how much of a reflection of the time it is and if you can get past that and maybe watch these first six episodes really quick then you know you're into some really great tv and some stuff that really stays with me um and actually uh, i distinctly remember enjoying those books that i read um because they essentially take some of the plots from the tv show and explore them further so you know it's an all-round i am i am the arch nerd um i've read the novelization novelization novelizations that's not right of of this i've heard um, it both ways 25 minute uh six episodes a season bbc comedy
1: joe
2: um, yeah, like Dave says, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it when I watched it five, six years ago. And it's a show that does have a bit of a, you know, obviously not a big cult following, but, you know, it is a kind of a really popular TV show with people who have seen it. You know, there are a lot of people who still really fondly remember it, rewatch it. I think it. This does have a really big cult following, Joe.
0: Uh, maybe not in 2020, but certainly like yeah. 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, 10 years ago it would have done, but now it's kind of getting to the point where it doesn't have as big a cult following as it once had. But like people still so remember, remember it really yeah <laughs> it's still kind of a really popular tv show and yeah if you can kind of get into it and just kind of almost ignore the plot and just enjoy the hijinks that the characters kind of get up with the, the two the, the the two characters who kind of butt heads constantly and you know there's the stupidity of it all if you can just kind of get into that there's a really fun show to watch there
1: and i yeah i agree i don't much more i think it's fun don't really want to watch any more of it than i have to be honest but that's you know maybe a reflection of just the time um but yeah
0: good i would say you're missing out sam but nostalgia is a powerful thing isn't it it really really is is, i've I've got
1: other things to be doing you know so uh so there we go red dwarf i think it's a nice thing to do i like doing shows that are different to what we've done before and you know keep that variety and that just general feel of not just doing the same 20 minute you know, sit Yeah.
0: Let's let's So if you're out there, audience, and you've watched Red Dwarf somehow, um, and then also found this podcast again somehow, um like you know, kudos to you. Uh and you know, get watching. I've watched I think I watched most of the second season, uh, or third season, sorry, last night after I watched this episode. <laughs> um and just last David Trivia corner as we go out, um this show we said Smeg from the top um invented its own swear words to get around censors um so Clever. smeg uh, is, is a bit of a, a swear word smeg head uh goit is, is another another favorite one of mine <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like a wonderful like it's on the bbc we can't swear because it's 1988 and the censors will us um so yeah let's just make up nonsense uh Brilliant. Which is really funny.
1: Brilliant. Luckily, we can swear. So, uh, you know, fuck you. Ah! Um, well, that's
0: fair. Um, but you're a goit. Just, you should know that. Oh, how <laughs> dare you. <laughs> Next week, uh, against all odds, we will be watching a, a new show for us. We're we'll watching Outlander, which aired at some point somewhere. Uh, but our good esteemed friend, Professor Sellers, um, knows quite a lot about the production of it as it was filmed at his place of work.
2: Well, it's it's sites within the organisation, yes
0: Of course And to find out what that organisation is You'll have to tune in (laughs) next week Because this is apparently a really static radio show all of a sudden Um, But, it's goodbye from me
1: And me
2: Uh, And it's goodbye from him You are the resistance